Call me old school, but I am a firm believer that our romantic relationships can make or break us. They can either add stress to our lives or remove stress from our lives. And today I want to share my experience, specifically the seven rules that I try to live by in order to make my relationship with my husband as stress-free for me as possible. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Happy Without Medicine, and I'm your host, Dr. Yuandi, a medical doctor, therapist, and a fierce advocate for your happiness. My mission here is simple, to help professional women just like you create a life you're excited to wake up to. It's time to make the happiness you feel on the inside match the success others see on the outside. Let's get started. Today being Valentine's Day, especially if you're listening to this in real time, I thought it would be good to share some of the lessons that I've learned with my relationship with my husband. And I'm doing this because these rules, these seven rules are things that I wish I had known or things that I wish I had started to apply much earlier in my relationship because I've realized that since applying them and since living by them, my life has been so much less stressful and I engage in my relationship with my husband with more grace and more ease and more fun and more laughter. Because as we know, being perfectly honest, your closest relationships, whether it's with your marriage, whether it's your friendships, your parents, some of these closest relationships can also be the hardest ones. But I've learned that if we can approach our relationships much like anything else in life with a mindset of, you know what, we're always evolving, we're always growing, we can always do better. I can always do better. It's always made things more fun, more exciting, more engaging for me, and ultimately much less stressful. And so the first lesson that I want to share is that my husband is not my everything. And before you get all upset or wonder what does Yuandi mean, this is what I mean. When we first started dating many years ago, I used to compare my husband with some of my closest girlfriends. You know, the girlfriends where you call and something happens and you expect the same level of emotional intensity, whether it's excitement or righteous anger or whatever it might be. I was expecting the same level of emotional matching from my husband as I would receive from my girlfriends. Right. But it took me a while to realize that I could share something that was exciting for me and be met with a flat response from my husband and be okay with it. (laughs) Or questions like, is that all? (laughs) You know, there'll be times when I would start to tell a story or I would tell a story. And to him, it was like, okay, what was the point of that story? (laughs) Whereas for me, it was just, an exciting story to tell, you know, so I would be met with the question, okay, and what was the point? And that used to frustrate me so much. Like, can't you just be excited for the sake of being excited? (laughs) But the sooner I realized that my husband is not like my girlfriends and never will be 
like my girlfriends, the sooner I learn to accept him for who he is and accept the way that he thinks and processes things, the way that he does and accept all of that, the much better it was for me because my expectations were not met consistently with disappointment. I wasn't expecting something of him that he frankly wasn't able to give. Not by any fault of his, but he just has a different personality. The second point that I had to learn is that there is an art and science to communication and communicating such that I am heard, communicating such that my point is received and not just talking for the sake of talking. And this is what I mean. Many times we get into a conversation with our partners and nobody is hearing, nobody is listening to the other person. One person is talking and the other person is just waiting for a gap in the communi- for a gap in the conversation so that they can just jump in and make their point. And so we end up in this never-ending cycle, this never-ending loop of you say your point and I say my point and everybody's getting frustrated because nobody feels like they're being heard and we all walk away from the conversation frustrated and nothing really changes. Whereas I learned that there is a way to communicate with my husband in such a way that he hears me. He might not agree with me and he might not respond, but at least I've communicated in a way that is effective enough to have my point heard. And this all has to do with communicating in such a way that defenses don't automatically go up. Because when we approach a conversation with a tone of voice that is blaming or critical, or if we use words that are critical or the way we phrase our sentences come across or are perceived as critical, then we miss the whole point of the communication. One thing that I think is very important and worth noting is that your intentions in saying certain things, the place that it comes from might not be where it lands in your partner or in anybody else for that matter. So you might be coming from a place of honesty. You know, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. But where it lands in your partner is that it, it lands in a place of hurt. It lands in a place of pain. It lands in a place where you are hitting on a nerve of one of their biggest insecurities or their biggest fears, right? So really getting good at communicating, really getting good at expressing yourself in a way that increases the chances that you're going to be heard. I will say though that this doesn't necessarily mean that there will be a change in behavior, but at least you know that you have expressed yourself in a way that your point has been received. So the next point that I have learned is number three, which is create a common vision and fight from common ground. This has been so, so, so critical and so important for us. When we create a common vision and we fight from a common ground, one thing I know for of a truth is that my husband is an amazing dad. He's such a family man. He loves taking care of his kids. He loves investing in his kids. He loves pouring into them and teaching them and molding them into the best version of themselves. And so this is something that we both have in common. What about outside of the kids? Yes, we have things outside of the kids that we have in common too. 
But this particular area of parenting is a place where I know that he shines. And it's also a place that I am passionate about. Oftentimes, the memes that we're sharing are around parenting. The books that we're reading are around parenting. We're often sharing strategies with each other. And when our kids are behaving in a certain way that's not appropriate, we come together on that common ground and we fight against whatever it is that's causing an imbalance or distress or uh, making us feel unsettled as parents. So that's just one example. Another thing that we love to do is we love to have fun. We love to dance. We love to watch movies together. We love to laugh together. We love to spend time with our friends together. The truth is that it's so much more productive to focus on the things that you do have in common versus worry about the things that you don't have in common. So create a common vision and fight from common ground. So the next point, number four, is find things to laugh about. Find things to laugh about. Find things to laugh about. For us, it's funny memes of couples, of kids on Instagram. So my husband loves to send me these funny videos on couples just acting silly on Instagram and kids acting cute on Instagram and all sorts of different memes. You know, he sends them to me and if I see something funny, I'll send it to him and we both laugh about that and, you know, or we'll laugh at a comedy skit. And so when you're able to laugh about something, it brings you closer. So find things to laugh about. And literally it could be something as simple as a meme on Instagram or on Twitter. Number five, this is a piece of advice that my parents actually gave to me long, long, long before I got married. And it was exaggerate his strengths and diminish his flaws. Because the truth is that we all have flaws. And once you've made the decision to commit to a person, you're taking them with their strengths and their flaws. Not to excuse people who just say, oh, this is the way I am. I'm never going to change. No, that's not what we're doing here. That's not what we're doing here. But the truth is that there's no point in harping on criticizing on their flaws and not encouraging them and pushing them and clapping for them and motivating them when it comes to their strengths. So yes, there is a space for improvement and there is a space of growth, But ultimately, it's so much more important to recognize that they are doing their best when they are doing their best, that they're doing a good job when they are doing a good job. So really focusing on their strengths, because there is a quote that says what you focus on grows. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that maybe you are at the dinner table or maybe you're maybe you're hanging out on the couch and maybe your spouse brings a snack, maybe it's salad or a crunchy fruit and you're trying to focus on the movie, or maybe you're trying to listen to some music, and then next thing you hear this crunching, 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 crunching sound. (laughs) So annoying, right? But if you keep focusing on that sound, it's going to get louder and louder and louder and louder in your head, right? So what you focus on grows versus if you just focused on the music or the movie or the details of whatever it is that you are watching or listening to, you're less likely going to hear that crunching, annoying sound, right? So what you focus on grows. Focus on their strengths, diminish their flaws, understanding that 
There's always, always going to be room for improvement, but it never helps to focus on the areas of their lives that need that improvement. So the sixth point that I want to make is the importance of understanding yourself and the importance of understanding your partner. This is so, so important, ridiculously important, because once you understand why you get upset at certain questions, why you get annoyed at certain suggestions, why you get impatient at certain things, and vice versa for your partner, that level of understanding, that level of awareness goes a long way because what happens is that you become more empathetic. So say, for example, you know that your partner experienced financial hardships as a child. Maybe they came from a home where things were going well, but all of a sudden, mom and dad both lost their job, or maybe the father who was the breadwinner passed away and they were left to fend for themselves. When you understand that about your partner, it makes it so much easier to understand why wasting food really aggravates them and annoys them. And why working hard is a big priority for them. Why job security is a big priority for them, right? So understanding your partner and then understanding yourself, right? When you know about yourself that, when you know about yourself that when you are criticized or when you are told that you're doing something wrong, that it sparks insecurity inside of you or it amplifies what I call your inner critic, you understand why whenever your partner corrects you, you go into defensive mode or you go into withdrawal or you go into a space where you start to beat yourself up, right? When you understand those things about yourself and you understand those things about your partner and vice versa, they also have to have a level of self-awareness too. It makes the relationship so much easier because that's where you that's where you find empathy for one another that's where you find grace for one another where you give each other grace right where you don't get as angry or as irritable because of certain behaviors so understanding yourself and understanding your partner really goes a long long way to creating a stress-free relationship and then finally one thing that i have learned to do that has really really helped is to take care of myself, to celebrate myself, to pat myself on the back, (laughs) which goes back to point number one, which is I can't expect my husband to do everything. Yes, I do expect some level of appreciation, but it doesn't always come when I want it to come. And that's because him and the kids, quite frankly, don't always see the sacrifices that I make in trying to wear all the different hats that I'm wearing. I do feel appreciated, but sometimes I have to stand up and appreciate myself when I'm not getting the appreciation as consistently as I would like. It's just the way it is. And so sometimes I will decide that, okay, today I'm going to make a meal that I haven't made in a long time. And maybe I'm expecting, oh, thank you, mommy. This was so delicious. Or Yuande, thank you. I appreciate all the time you spent in the kitchen and you going grocery shopping and making this meal. It doesn't always happen that way. And so sometimes after I've spent that time preparing this meal, I pat myself on the back and say, Yuande, good job. Good job. Good job. You did good. Because otherwise, I'm going to go into this cycle of 
annoyance and resentment and feeling like, well, you guys don't appreciate me. And that, that just adds stress to my life. And so what I do is I take care of myself. I pat myself on the back. When I'm tired, I rest. When I need alone time, I take the alone time and all the things that I need to feel good about myself, I do it. I don't wait for anyone to offer it. I don't wait for anyone to ask if I'm okay or I take care of myself. I take care of myself because that's really, again, taking off the expectation of validation, external validation from other people. When I get it, yes, it's great. I love it but I don't live for it. I don't crave it. I don't seek it out. I give it to myself. I validate myself. (laughs) Okay. And so those were the points that off the top of my head, when I thought that I wanted to create this episode, those were the seven points that I really wanted to share today. And I hope that you're able to take one or two of them away with you and apply them to your relationships. And hopefully these tips, and I'm sure the many others that you're probably learning along the way will help you create a beautiful, stress-free relationship for you and for your partner. So to end this episode with a quote, This is a quote by Pearl S. Buck, and it says, A good marriage is one which allows for change and growth in the individuals and in the way they express their love. And I couldn't agree more. And until next time, I wish you all the best in life and in love. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Yuan Day, on the Happy Without Medicine podcast this week. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could give it a review on Apple Podcast because it helps Happy Without Medicine pop up when other women are searching for ways to find their happiness again. And visit happywithoutmedicine.com to view the complete show notes and other resources mentioned in today's episode. I'll catch you next time.